From Murphy to Mancio, extraordinary athletes, coaches, administrators, and contributors have impacted the North Carolina sports landscape. For some, their talents left an indelible mark. So much so, they are enshrined in the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame. It's time to chat with one of those Hall of Famers who dared to be as tall and stately as our Longleaf Pines. Here is your host of 15 Minutes of Fame, Chris Edwards. Welcome to 15 Minutes of Fame. I'm Chris Edwards. Today on the podcast, we visit with North Carolina native Bobby Jones. Bobby played his high school basketball at South Mecklenburg before going on to play for Dean Smith at the University of North Carolina. We talk with Bobby about his career at North Carolina, what he learned from Coach Smith, And then we also talk about what it was like to represent his country at the 1972 Olympic Games. Bobby then went on to have a great professional career playing 12 years in the NBA, and he played with some guy named Julius Irving. We'll talk about all that and more with a 2019 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Famer and a 1989 North Carolina Sports Hall of Famer, Bobby Jones. Bobby, thank you so much for the time, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Chris. Uh, let me start here. You grew up in Charlotte, played your high school basketball at South Mecklenburg High School. T- talk me through growing up in Charlotte and your love of basketball and, and just playing the game that you love and, and where your love for the game developed. Well, Chris, I, I, I can't say that I really had a love for the game. Um, my dad was a basketball player at Oklahoma University, and uh, he he really thought I had potential when I was younger, but I didn't like the game. I was kind of a shy, quiet kid. and. So he he would he would travel for Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company, and when he was gone, he would leave a list of things for me to do when I was in middle school and uh, elementary school. In the backyard, we had a we had a um, fiberboard backboard here in Charlotte, in the suburbs, and um, I had to do like you know uh, hook shots and free throws and some tipping drills and things. And um, so I did that, and I, I played my first league actually when I was in Winston Salem. Um, in the fifth grade, and then, uh, excuse me, um, yeah, in the fifth grade, and then I uh, moved to Charlotte and uh, started playing. Again, wasn't very coordinated, didn't really start to enjoy the game until I had some success at it when I was um, in high school, Um, but I had good coaches. Uh, Coach Steve Cherry was my first coach at uh, in middle school at Quahala Junior High, and then uh, South Meg Dave Price, so um, that was really the start of it all, and uh, I'm thankful now that my dad did push me into it, and uh, since I've certainly enjoyed it. Well, it turned out okay because you went to college and played at North Carolina, played for Coach Smith. Can you take me through the recruiting process and what sold you on the University of North Carolina, and more specifically, Coach Smith? Well, I, you know, the the recruiting process back then is different than it is now. They could come and visit quite a bit, and um, Coach Smith would uh, send me letters all the time, and uh, they had an assistant coach named John Lotz who uh, uh, would come down and take me out to dinner about once a week. And, you know, I got to know all the nice steakhouses in Charlotte, <laughs> which was really a lot of fun. And um, really enjoyed Coach Lotz. I, I really felt, uh, felt uh, him. And then when I got up to the basketball camps uh, at Carolina, uh, Coach Guthridge and Coach Smith, they all seemed to be uh, very um, real people, not uh, more interested in me as a person as much as a basketball player. Uh, as an example, I remember Coach Guthrie would always uh, try to correct my posture. I would always kind of stoop over him to tell me to stand up straight. And, you know, just appreciated those kind of those kind of things from them. So, um, you know, I was recruited more recently than nationally. I wasn't that great a player. I was I was tall and fairly athletic, but I couldn't shoot very well and um, I couldn't dribble the ball at all. So 
Um, you know, Florida, Duke, um, Davidson, I had interest from those schools, um, you know, in the region, but not anything else. So uh, I'd grown, I'd grown up uh, following Carolina, and so it was um, it was kind of a natural thing to, for me to go there. My dad wanted me to go to Oklahoma. My brother Kirby played at Oklahoma at the time. He was two years ahead of me, and he was currently there, and Coach McLeod came to visit me, and he made a statement. He said, you know, Bobby, you can be just another All-American at, at Carolina, or you can be one of our great players at Oklahoma. And I, I kind of took that as a challenge that, you know, I, I want to be more than just a, a, a one guy at North Carolina, I'll be a better player there. So um, I ended up going to North Carolina. Uh, you talked earlier about not being a very good shooter, but you led the ACC in field goal percentage in 1972 and shot almost 67%. It was one of three years that you led the league in field goal percentage. So, so how did you develop into a good shooter during your time at Carolina? Well, Coach Lotz was a shooting coach, and he helped me a lot. But I really, Chris, I, I think most most of those shots that I took in, at Carolina were really in, inside. I, was, I actually played center in college, and so I didn't really – I didn't have a whole lot of range with my shooting. Uh, and if you if you look on into my NBA career, I was 0 for 17 from the three-point line. So really didn't have a whole lot of range, but I, I did develop a, a mid-range shot from the free throw line in, and uh, I credit Coach Lotz with helping me do that. Before we get into your NBA and your Olympic career, I want to ask you if there was a game or a moment from your career at Carolina that stands out the most when you think back on your time in Chapel Hill. Um. I don't know. You know, there there were several. Um, I think one of them was um, uh, we were playing in the ACC tournament. I think it was my junior year, and um, coach, uh, we 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 had, we were we were we I had hit what I thought we we had all thought was the winning shot with about three seconds to go in the semifinal game, and um, that was back in the day when if you didn't win the ACC tournament, you didn't go to the NCAA tournament. So. Um, they, Wake Forest threw a long court, full court pass to a guy in the corner, and he made a tough shot, and they ended up winning the game. And I remember walking off the court, you know, I was disappointed, but um, and I know Coach Smith, who had to go first to the media room to, to face all the all the reporters about the loss, and, and you know, effectively our season was over. We we I think we ended up winning, going to the NIT, but that was poor consolation. But I remember Coach Smith as he was heading there, he pulled me aside and he just. He said to me, he said, Bobby, I just want to tell you, I appreciate the way you played today. And that really impressed me a lot. I really appreciated that, that he, you know, he was considering his his, his teammate or his, his, his players more than his his poor situation of having to go into the media room. So um, just those kind of things um, I've always appreciated about him. You were a sophomore in 1972 when you made the U.S. Olympic team, and obviously there's still a lot of a, a lot of emotion and, and a lot of controversy still around that gold medal game. How much does that gold medal game from the 72 Olympics still stay with you? Uh, it, you know, people bring it up about every four years, um, and I, I don't think much about it. You know, I, I really have been so much blessed uh, to have so many more years of basketball after that in the pros that it didn't really – you know, it didn't really affect me a whole lot. I, I, it did make me more aware of the big business of sports and, um, you know, with the Israeli massacre and all that went on during that, that time in, in Munich um, made me aware of the political situation that's, that's taking place in our world. But, uh, I, I, you know, I, I was, again, I was appreciative of Coach Smith, who, you know, I wasn't even invited to, to the tryouts. And um, they had 150 players there, and a couple of guys were protesting the war in Vietnam. And, a couple of guys couldn't make it. So he got me in 
to, uh, to, to, to the tryouts. Um, and, you know, he said to me, he said, Bobby, this will be a good experience for you. Go out there for two weeks. And um, again, for, fortunately, I was, I was placed under one of the teams of, coached by Bobby Knight, who was a defensive uh, um, enthusiast. And um, Henry Ibe, the head coach, was also loved defense, and that's all I could do. And um, so I ended up making the team because of that. So it was a, it was a real blessing. Uh, kind of segueing into your defense, you were drafted by the Houston Rockets in the 1974 NBA draft, fifth overall pick, played 12 years in the pros. You were an eight-time member of the NBA all-defensive team. What, what do you think made you such a good defender in the NBA? Well, I think a, a couple of things. One, uh, the training I got in North Carolina, I learned how to move my feet laterally. I wear a size 17 shoe, and sometimes they get in my way, but you know they, they taught me how to step slide and move laterally and, and stay low. And, and move move my, my center of gravity lower and so I could get to, to the position I needed to be. And they also uh, showed me how to free myself up to, to go for a steal or to go weak side and try to get a block shot. And then the other thing I would credit would be my experience in the ABA. The, the two years I played there, I was off defensive team there. And they had some, some great forwards that I had to guard, Julius Irving and George Kervin and George McGinnis and, and guys like that. And so it was uh, – it was a great um, training ground for me for when I did play in the NBA. You won the first ever NBA Sixth Man Award, Bobby. Do you take a lot of pride in that and your ability to come off the bench and impact the game? Well, I don't know if I take pride in it. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the coaches uh, and people recognizing the contribution that people make coming off the bench. You know, obviously, John Havlicek, who was didn't, – they didn't have that award back then, but certainly would have won it many times um, – uh, yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, it, it's really not important who starts the game, it's who finishes the game. And I, I don't ever remember not finishing a game that was of importance. So um, uh, I had confidence in my coaches, and if they felt like I could be more effective off the bench and or help the team, then that was great with me. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was certainly honored by that. In 1983, you won the NBA championship with the Philadelphia 76ers. As you think back on that season, what memory or memories stick out to you? Well, it was a heck of a team. (laughs) It sure was. You know, I don't know. I think we won 67 games, maybe. I'm not sure. Something like that, 65 or 67. And, uh, I mean, every night, it it was just um, everybody was healthy, uh, no injuries that year. And, uh, we played as a as a unit, you know. The year before, we lost to the Lakers in the finals, and I think everybody realized, you know, if you don't if you don't play together and sacrifice some of the things you want to do for yourself, uh, for the team effort, then um, you know we weren't going to have success. And and and, and guys did that, and uh, you know, hustling, diving on the floor for loose balls, and, and I remember that year. I think it was um, I had a hundred. My goal every year was trying to get a hundred blocks, a hundred steals, just because that, that was those were stats that could help help my team win without taking away from anybody else. And I think Julius did that also. And I think that was the only time that that ever happened, that two players had had that stat on the same team. And so, you know, I look on our team, we were a great defensive team and we could score. And so um, playing games was a lot of fun when you're winning. So um, I, I did enjoy it. You you did a lot of winning in your NBA career. I, I read that the teams you played on in the NBA never missed the playoffs. Well, that's true, Chris. We, um, you know, I, I don't think my, my my teams either finished first or second in our division every year for those 12 years. And I, I, I credit the coaches for that. Coach Cunningham and Coach Brown 
um, both Carolina guys who um, who really instilled that that team attitude, the approach of you don't take a night off. You you know you play hard every night. You you play against a a new team coming to the league like Dallas, who was who was new. You you know you, you don't just take them for granted. You have to respect everybody. And uh, you know I think I think our teams did that, and that was that was the difference. Uh, do you have a, a Julius Irving story or playing with Julius that that's maybe your favorite? <laughs> well, <laughs> Julius um, was an unusual player. I, I, I just would say that, uh, you know, I played against him in the ABA when he was with the New York Nets and uh, he was a hard guy to handle. He, <laughs> his hands were so huge. He could handle the ball and control it. And I remember um, getting, uh, getting schooled by him. We were playing the ABA finals uh, in the, uh, and game six was in Denver or game five or whatever. And uh, the last second shot, I knew he was going to take it. He drove to the corner and I, I was, I was hanging all over him. I, I, he faded away and I jumped with him. And he, he got the shot off my finger, you know, just barely missed my fingertips and swished it. And I, I just, you know, I, I felt like, you know, I did all I could, you know, <laughs> against this guy. And so, um, it was a lot of fun playing with him. He was a good encourager. Um, again, I, I go back to the people I played with, him, David Thompson. Uh, I played with a lot of guys who would be considered superstars who really um, were were good people and, and, and good uh, teammates. And so that really makes it a lot more fun, a lot better, even when you do lose. Uh, Julius Irving said that he would tell any young player to model their game after you. I mean, that's pretty high praise coming from Julius Irving, isn't it? Yeah, it's very kind. Yeah, it's very kind of Julius. And, uh, you know, he I, I'll tell you, I'll share another story with him. I remember several times, um, uh, you know, into the game, you try to take a last second shot, you miss it, or you throw the ball away and the game's over and you lose. And he'd be the first guy in the locker room to come and sit beside you and say, you put an arm around and say, hey, don't worry about it. We'll get him next time. Or during the, during the game, I remember he was leading the league in scoring and um, during the timeout in the first or second quarter, he would tell the coach, he said, hey, we haven't gotten Maurice or we haven't gotten Bobby a shot yet. Let's get them open. And so, you know, it's a concern for others that really is contagious. And when, when you have that kind of player who's leading your team in so many stats, uh, you know, that that uh, makes a difference when uh, when he's, you know, that he he can he cares for you too. Inducted into the Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame in 2019. Of all the honors that you've gotten in your career, where does that one rank? Well, it, it was a great honor. Yeah, you know, I, I thank the Lord for the, the blessings he's given me. Um, people who appreciate the fact that, you know, even though I didn't score a lot of points, I don't know, maybe average 12 points a game. Um, the other things that I did on the court were effective to help our team be successful. And so uh, to be recognized by the Naismith uh, Hall of Fame is, uh, it, you know, in basketball, that's the ultimate. So, I, you know, I'm certainly appreciative and uh it was a great experience for my family to be able to go up there with me and my, some of my grandkids. So um, it was certainly a special time in my life. I'll let you go with this thought, Bobby. If if you could talk to an eight-year-old kid who wants to follow in your footsteps and play basketball and play at the highest level, what advice would you give them to be successful? Well, I would, my advice would be to go out into the to find a court and start start playing. You know, start uh, uh, get as much experience as you can, and and then also. When you do play, listen to what your coach says and, and try to do those things. I remember my dad, those those tipping drills that he had me do, 
I didn't really understand those or appreciate those until I started playing. And I found that, you know, I could easily handle the ball with either hand because he made me use both hands and uh, he made me uh, understand where the ball was coming off the rim. And so just those kind of things would be something where uh, an eight-year-old could just go out to, in fact, my grandson was out there yesterday with me and, uh, he wanted to shoot the three-point shot and said, why don't you try to work on a, a five-footer first? And so um, he listens. And so, you know, if, if kids do that, I think we'll have success. Thanks, Bobby. Appreciate the time on the podcast and appreciate you listening to this episode of 15 Minutes of Fame. For the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame, I'm Chris Edwards.